I think that sometimes it's a crabs in a barrel mentality and people are like, why is he the person that we're using? And I just have to remind people, I don't have an Emmy or a Grammy or an Oscar or a Tony. I've never been played on the radio. I'm not opening at the MTV Music Awards. Those are all my dreams. And I'm still out here hustling every single day to make my dreams become a reality. I am not the threat to the gay community and I'm not so successful that somebody can't zoom past me, especially low key, somebody white. So if you don't like what I'm doing, do it better, bitch. Don't do it. <laughs> Welcome to The Gaily Dose, the weekly podcast made for and by gay men and their allies. We're a podcast with a mission, elevated conversation with the hopes of building a deeper sense of community in the gay world. Child, it's time to come take your Gaily Dose. Welcome to The Gaily Dose. Helmut Lucero Domogolski. I'm coming at you from Atlanta with my very good friend. What's going on, everybody? It is Bennett Schneider. And be sure to join us on Instagram, Facebook, all of our social channels at The Gaily Dose. And, um... The Gaily Dose Pod, and then our website is uh, thegailydose.com. Yes, and uh, we are so excited. I literally all. cannot. Like, I know. I'm like, you're missing Dante, girl. That's what you're just. I, I'm missing Dante, but I we also have somebody here in front of us, and I'm just like a little bit about to cry, but also like I have some confessions to make on how we met. So I'm I'm super excited because dolls today we are bringing you a dose of Todrick Hall. Hey, Todrick, how are you? Oh, I'm so excited to get my daily dose. Yes, God. <laughs> we are ecstatic. Girl, it's time for your daily dose. <laughs> As Dante would say. So I, okay, so we I have to do some backstory. And the okay. and and the whole and the whole um reason why you're here. Um, and you made me promise that I would tell this story and we're gonna all learn from it. So I think the it's the only stipulation. I mean, <laughs> it's the know. one stipulation he had. <laughs> you told so, the reason this, this is my favorite podcast I've ever been on, and I mean, we haven't even started. Ever. Ever. You know we're gonna put that in like our little recordings now. It's, it's our little snippet. We're gonna have to use it on like replay now. So the way that I met Todrick was I was his internet bully. <laughs> so here's how, okay, so here's exactly how it happened. So I had been seeing this trend of people like saying like, XYZ is overrated. Who do you also think is overrated? And so I was like, I was listening to some music and I was like, you know what, like, I don't know, like, Todrick Hall's really big right now. Let me just be an asshole and like, let him know what I think. And so I posted on my Instagram. This was my personal Instagram. It was not my podcast Instagram, thank God. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, um, literally at Todrick Hall. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to say it, Todrick. I don't want to say it. Okay. We're here, honey. Is music is god awful and <laughs> i literally was like okay so let listen lesson learned number one i think all too often we think that artists are these manufactured shell of people right where it's like people are fed they feed you the music they feed you the costumes they feed you this they feed you that and then on top of that i also feel like I was like, this bitch ain't I'm never gonna see this. Why do I care if I at mention them? So next thing I know, I am mortified. I'm literally, I, I'll never forget it. I'm 
getting my glass fixed um, at my, my truck, the glass is messed up. So I was getting it fixed. I had been waiting like eight hours at this point already. It was fucking crazy. And I get this DM on Instagram, it pops up and it just says, Todrick, blue check mark. Did you really just at me at this? And I was like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> like, not only did I not think he was ever going to see this, but also like, what the fuck he's like responding to me and so you know like i said you know we we went like we went back and forth um i i was like bitch if you go and do if you go and release things for public consumption then you should be thick skinned and he was like well you know what typically i am but one in 100 one in 100 they get it they get it back at them i usually i usually follow my what's what would beyonce do tattoo so, um, so what was that like on your end, Todrick? Yeah, what was that like? Here's the thing. I've been doing this for a really, really long time, and I totally get the fact that, and by the way, I have been in your position. That's why I wasn't upset once we started talking. Yeah. I wasn't even upset when, when I saw the comment. It's just that I think that, yeah, people don't realize that you're real, and I am not one of those artists that, like, is manufactured like I am I'm not signed I pay for every video every costume every set piece every crew member and they're fierce by the way I started going back and listening watching music videos I'm like girl okay <laughs> thank you uh, but for me it was just like I don't care if people have their opinion I don't think that what I make is going to be for everybody ever no artist does but when people go out of their way to tag me in something mm -hmm. it was early in the morning I was just kind of like because I'm three hours behind you right. so like really this man chose to at me and tag me in this this early in the morning yeah. i'm gonna respond and say something because yeah. i think one of my own personal issues and this is me dealing this is not your fault um this is some, something that i've just dealt with for a long time i'm a gay black man who makes artists for the gay community for the black community i make a lot yeah. of stories like my forbidden album is all about racism and homophobia mm -hmm. And I feel like I only get negative criticism from gay people mm -hmm. and black people. <laughs> and that as an artist is really frustrating when your work is a love letter to, so you think, to the people that, that are in your community. And when those are the people, you know, 75% of my audience, actually, I'm gonna look at this. Look it up, give us the stats. I have not looked at my, my uh, analytics in a long time. I don't even know how to find it. <laughs> um, but the, oh, here it is. The majority of your audience. Okay, here's my statistics. Can you see this? Yes. 73.1% mm -hmm. yes. are women. women. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, I think people would be surprised to know that. So sometimes yeah. people are like, the gays are canceling him. I'm like, I don't know if you really can cancel me when you only make up such a small one fourth percent yeah. of the pie of people who are watching me. But that's that 26% or whatever, the 27%, it still bothers you sometimes. And you're like, why? So you know, I pointed back to you and I really was happy that we were able to like start. Yeah, I was like, well, you are you have no talent. I was like, what, what, where's your talent? Yeah, she did, she totally did. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, I, I, I'm a very different uh, personality from Bennett. That's why we love doing this podcast together. I. Um, I esteem so much your mix of masculine and feminine in your work. And I oh. think that that um, proudly walking that line is something that a lot of the homosexual community is not okay with inside itself. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Um, they're just not. Yeah, they are so, you know, they're inundated with the, the love of masculine and inside of all of us is some femme. And, it, you know, kind of thinking as you sit here, I li literally, my daughters were like, oh my God, Todd, like they, they listen to your music, they sing your songs, they love you. And I do too. Watch and I'm just, Paul, yeah. it's, it's just brilliant. But I, I, I'm respecting you really face into something that we would never think about a lot of kind of that, that homophobic hate that is inside of a lot of the gay community. Yeah. I also want to comment on something that you said that at first, like threw me through a loop, um, but I got to reflect on it. And I think you might be right. You know, as, as a cis white man, sometimes we assume that everything is made for our consumption, right? And you said something to the degree of your privilege is showing. <laughs> I'm not making, I'm not necessarily making music for you. And that's great. And that's fantastic. I, I will also say that the more research that I do about you, the more that I, I realize how much good you have been doing for the gay community. And so I, you know, when I told Helmu and Dante about this episode and how we started talking, I wasn't ashamed to, to, I wasn't ashamed to tell that story. I think of it as a learning lesson. And I think a lot of people could also use that as a learning lesson to be like, hey, listen, these people really, you know, there are some artists that pour everything they are into their art, into, um, into what, what, what uh, they're trying to kind of reflect back to the community. And all too often people think that it's just manufactured because of, because that's how a lot of artists are and how a lot of music is made. Um, it uh, sometimes feels very, um, uh, just, manufactured so I think I the more research that I do about you and the more work the more of the work that I've seen you put in um the more I'm like oh my god why did I add this guy so I I I think that that's a, a, a good like kind of uh summary apology. well and also an apology <laughs> I will say I apologize I think I already actually have yeah. I have the receipts back and forth but um we both apologize we're good to go I'm gonna fly to LA and see him next week it's fine it's gonna be fun I'm gonna be in that closet I hope you wear 10 and a half size shoes i do actually <laughs> do you really your shoes i don't think i've ever wear a pair a pair of heels in public um and then all but i also think that 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 kind of plays to the mask and femme thing because growing up as a man from uh the south i was born in panama city florida uh lived in tulsa oklahoma in middle school which is the most conservative close to where you are in, in texas where you were in texas and now living in georgia i do sometimes a degree feel um uh, uncomfortable when I when I try to explore my feminine side, and so maybe that was a direct reflection of of me coming at you. Who knows? I don't know. I think that's definitely probably the case. I mean, I think we all have. Um, when people meet me in person, they always are like, "Wow, you're a lot more masculine than I thought you were going to be," and I don't really take that as a compliment or a diss. But I I think that everybody has like the fact that they thought of it feels to me like there is a problem in our community. Right. And I remember I was dating a guy who I thought for sure is gonna just be like a mask top. And and I was like, oh, this is never gonna work out because it was contrary to popular belief. I've never actually bottomed even once in my life. I've never- What? Seen Are we breaking news? This is breaking news. We yeah. are breaking news on this podcast. Really? 
Not that anyone cares, but yeah. I'm, really? <laughs> have you really not? Have you never? Never, never once. And the thing is, when I first came out of the closet, I thought that I was going to. Um, and I fell, in, I fell in love with this guy that in high school, you know, you think that that's like the one. The um, one. But I realized that there's like- a, Is this the Tumblr? I heard the about the Tumblr. The cheerleader, yeah. The cheerleader, yeah. I saw your interview on your coming out. <laughs> but okay, how do I say this quickly? Basically, um, I've dated all kinds of people. I've dated pretty much every race except for Asian and I've had so many crushes on Asian men and tried and they just were not interested in me, the people that I've tried. Um, but but oftentimes um, when I have dated white men, which has been basically my last three boyfriends that I've had, um, there's like the stigma when they're watching porn where like black men are always seen as this dominant character. And I think when they watch these things, they go out into the real world and into the wild and try to reenact this experience that they saw on insert whatever porn website, OnlyFans, whatever. Um, and so I think that when people get into relationships with me, I've every guy that I've ever pretty much dated um, who was white was like, I strictly only date black men and I only want a bottom. And that was all they were interested in doing. And since I was in the relationship with them, I just never really had a reason to, you know, like to even explore that. And so it's not something that I'm not willing to do, but I will say as life has gotten, <laughs> as, as I've grown older, I'm like, okay, well, if it doesn't happen soon, then it just may never happen. I don't right, know. it's just not in the cards at this I'm point, at 34 years old. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I, I think, but my point of bringing that whole story up that was probably more information than you or your audience wanted to know was that um, when I was, working when I was dating my one of my main boyfriends that I that I had the one I was the most public with um I wouldn't allow him to watch me filming anything where I was playing a character that was feminine he wasn't allowed to go into the room and he he really? always hated that and a character that was feminine yeah because it was feminine and I felt like that would make him be like less attracted to me and like change the dynamic of what he was like looking for, what he wanted. Yeah, one of our first episodes was about mask and femme. So it, it's interesting how important it is to our community. It's mask so femme and that dynamic. Because I've, I've said it before, like I really am attracted to masculinity. I, I embrace my masculinity, but while also saying I, 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 it's, I would hate to think that I'm intentionally putting down people because they're feminine, especially because Dante is very feminine. He's very proud to be feminine. Yeah, so he's fantastic. I wish he could have been here, but unfortunately scheduling issues. So do you think, um, do you think, uh, this is a related to your question, Todrick. Okay. Um, when you meet people that say they have a very specific type and that type includes race, do you think that's an unhealthy racial bias in people? Do you think it is what it is? You just like what you like? Because I'm, I'm curious because I feel like people will say they're not my type and I'll be like, like human? <laughs> like, just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, good question. It's a deep rabbit hole and I have a tendency to be pretty long-winded, but um, this is actually a conversation I've been having a lot recently because um, I get a lot of flack online. So it's weird because I get a, a different type of response from the gay white community than I do from the gay black community. Yes. And almost always those different communities don't realize that the action that that this community has this issue with me and this community has this issue with me. Um, I don't 
I think that we are all living on this planet doing the best we can to try to live up to as close to these, these standards that are ridiculous that were not ever, ever reachable and attainable to begin with. And I think that we have all been so force fed these like Freddie Prince Juniors and Justin Timberlakes and Jonathan Taylor Thomases our whole life that these this was like what you go search for. And growing up, if you typed in gay, you better hope that your your dial up speed internet is gonna push through and they know your parents are gonna come because you're gonna be closing pop-ups for a long time. And right. there was no love involved. Like whenever I yes. would, would turn it up, you can bleep this out. It, if I typed in gay, there's gonna be a bunch of pink booty holes pop up on your screen. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's what's just gonna happen. Yeah. And well, and and so for me, when I started watching porn, that's how I learned to be gay. I didn't have any movies. There's no Titanic, no like notebook or anything for us. So we're all like hiding by the way in secrecy from everybody and then trying to figure out what we are on the internet and that's all we see. And so I think that some people think that it's their choice to do this, but I don't think that it is. I love those Tyra Banks studies that they do with the young kids that just like even at four years old, that's, the statistics are staggering because the black kids, the white kids, and, and the Asian kids are saying the white guy should be the principal, the white guy should own the school, the right. white princess Interesting. the princess. And I think that by four years old, the programming is already so done and no one wants to even consider the fact for one millisecond that their preference, it's like that scene in um, Devil Wears Prada where Meryl Streep is letting Anne Hathaway know. Like, like I think that <laughs> white, the closest straight to looking straight men are the Karelian blue. Like it has been chosen for us to like that and to like anything else takes in a lot of senses, a, a lot of work. If you're not exposed to that, I grew up in ballet in a musical theater where I was always the only black person. And I only saw, and I went to a white school. Um, I started out in a black school and then I, my my teacher called me the n-word and my mom moved me to another school and in, in that school i mean my life was changed and i saw firsthand how being in that school how the walls smelled differently the computers were nicer the books were nicer and i wasn't in survival mode when i got to school i went yeah. there and i learned i learned how to mm. what would be considered yeah. english and got introduced to dance which would have never happened to a black kid at my other school and it changed my whole path of where I went. And um, because of the things I was exposed to, I think it strongly shaped what I like. And so in conclusion, I think when you ask someone that question, people wanna jump to the defense and say like, well, I'm not racist, this is just my preference, but our preference of everything, we're three yeah. men, we have short hair and are wearing men's clothes. We're, we're following the system, whether we think we are out of the box and different and unique or not. And we have been told what to like. Even when you go to a porn website, you gotta go look for gay porn. And then once you get there, you gotta be like, okay, Asian Which type, black yeah. porn. And yeah. if not, it's gonna give you this one specific type. And that is coincidentally, some people would say their type. It's not mm -hmm. your type, it's what America told you to be your type. You know, we, um, first that was excellently stated. Fantastic. Two thoughts. One, yeah. we had, uh, we did have a podcast where we explored this concept and learned um, that, and I think it's true, that we can work on our own internalized bias and racism through watching different porn. Right. That for, was actually one really, concept. For what you masturbate to. Yeah, yeah. Force yourself um, mentally, like if you want to work on this, take the time to look at different porn and also fantasize about people that you wouldn't normally 
that are still gay community. Like it was interesting. And the other thing you just like totally lit my light up by my, my brain upon is think about as children, we like, we Googled gay and you got a bunch of porn mm -hmm. and it was always that it was like, Gay yeah. sex, yep. gay sex, and we still my suffer. Light bulb, my light bulb went on. We too. suffer for that. Where it's we but grew we up on porn instead but, of like these beautiful stories well, of love, right? And not just you know, it could be gay politician, gay performer, gay artist, gay Nowadays, scientist. It can, yeah. But before, but, when we were growing up, it, porn, it was porn was everything. Yeah. You typed in gay, and all it was. Oh, I got so excited. <laughs> all it was was porn. So yeah, that's a really very specific curated yeah. type of porn. Yeah. And, and when I, when, um, a few years ago, when I started exploring why I had racial preferences towards white men, I came to the conclusion that I, I, it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily racist, but I did come to the conclusion that my parents had instilled something in me that made it seem like, um, white people were not, I wouldn't say to like, I wouldn't say superior like that sounds like hitler talk but i'm saying right, that is what it is that but is it really is. is no you're right it is that, that is, is what you should use you're right and it's not just it appearance it's the whole society which is i think yeah. the point he's making that it's and it, it is true it was studies back in the 60s even it was clear that, that there's that preference for white Hey, Bennett, I love that cute purple shirt you're wearing. It's royal blue. Yes, royal blue. And I love that Gaily Dose logo on it. Where'd you get it? At thegailydose.com. We now have merch. And we have all kinds of stuff. Hats, shirts. I even got a doggy bandana for Miss Stella. Oh, Miss Stella's so pretty. Love me some good merch. Yep, just go to thegailydose.com. It's interesting, though. I'm just thinking about the fact, Todrick, that as an artist, mm -hmm. you are presenting something that kind of cuts at a lot of that bias, right? And so it makes sense to me that you would get a lot of flack because you're not necessarily presenting what people quote unquote want to see, you're presenting a lot more of what is. Like I think about some of the glam thing, there's just this emotion that you portray that has mask, femme and vibrance to it that is super beautifully gay. Mm -hmm. And for some gays they're like, I don't know if I can accept all that, mm -hmm. right? I don't know if I can accept myself. And Gays, you, you what about straights? Well, no, but you know, <laughs> right? um, I'm curious, Todrick, your coming out story, the parts in terms of coming to terms with being your true self in public, were there certain barriers you really had to fight in that way as, from a famous perspective? Were you, was it harder for you because you're trying to sort of um, entertain and and kind of get the right next gigs and you're trying to be your authentic self is that a hard um, journey it's not a was it it is an is it is it happening today I just had a, a talk with my assistant uh, did two this is my fourth or fifth interview of the day and I wake up every day and I say yes to everything and Bianca Del Rio posted that one time and I was like yeah say yes to everything because you don't know who you're going to reach. And if it's humanly possible for me to be there, I'm going to go there. And there have been times where I've just been treated terribly on, on, really? I remember a time I was performing Nails Hair Hips Heels on a morning show. And this guy was so rude to me. And I think that he genuinely had an issue with a man in heels asking him for a, for a, a favor or giving him notes on something that they could choose and I wasn't unkind to him about it but I think it challenged his masculinity and he didn't like it wow. and um 
And I deal with those things every single day. And the part that also makes me frustrated, I tweeted this the other day, is that I think a lot of gay people, because we're such a marginalized community and we don't have that much representation, I, I get frustrated because we bitch and we complain and we write messages to say there's not enough representation. And as soon as that representation comes, we shit on it because it's not the, the it, it doesn't come in the package we think it should be. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like we think it should look. I felt like the whole entire prom movie that was in, on Netflix was overshadowed by the fact that James Corden was a straight man playing a gay role, which mm -hmm. I don't should have been the absolute focus of the movie. And I have very strong opinions about that that we could talk about another time. But- Or even like I, rainbow washing, like corporations. They yeah. attack corporations for putting a rainbow on something when in, you know, 10 years ago, we were begging people, corporations yeah. to do that. And at the end of the day, for me, while I understand why it's frustrating for people that they're capitalizing off of it and they're making money off of, you know, our community, I, I think of the bigger picture of the fact that once a year, just like it's Christmas or Halloween, every single person has to acknowledge the fact that gay people exist and kids are going to ask questions whether their parents tell them something that is on the right or wrong side of history. The fact that it is in their face for them to see it where it wasn't when we were kids. Like you're, there are kids that are sitting in small towns that it, are now being forced because a major corporation maybe is not reaching the mom and pop stores where they are, but it's in Walmart, it's in Target. Jojo Siwa, who's on Nickelodeon, is gay. And they're having to like have a conversation at a young age. And even if their parents are telling them something, they're like, well, I see Jojo Siwa and I like her and she's a lesbian and she's not all these things that you told me that she was. So I just think that we got to look at the bigger picture. Sometimes we can get so... I don't know, self-absorbed or so focused on the fact of how we feel right now. And, and the reality is we are so insignificant to this planet and progression of like humanity. We're here for a hundred years if we're lucky. That's like, if you are the anomaly, you're here for a yeah. hundred years. And when I see these people frustrated that I don't have enough representation of whatever it is that time, you know, like I've had people mad that I don't have amputees dancing in my videos when those people didn't submit, you know, and um, I just take the information that I get and I try to do the best I can possibly do as an independent artist funding my things because people are starting to now compare me and their critiques to the things that Ariana and Lady Gaga and Normani and Beyonce are doing. And I'm like, those are cis, mostly white women, but Beyonce is a black woman, but that have record labels and huge management companies that are spending millions and millions of dollars to create this visual that you're seeing. I am doing this on my own. And my main point of saying this was that I think that sometimes it's a crabs in a barrel mentality and people are like, why is he the person that we're using? And I just have to remind people, I don't have an Emmy or a Grammy or an Oscar or a Tony. I've never been played on the radio. I'm not opening at the MTV Music Awards. Those are all my dreams and I'm still out here hustling every single day to make my dreams become reality. I am not the threat to the gay community and I'm not so successful that somebody can't zoom past me, especially low key, somebody white. So if you don't like what I'm doing, do it better, bitch. <laughs> you know, I, I think you, I you're right, though, in, that making it in the gay community, first of all, I will say it is no surprise the beauty of life that we have leaders that are Black, like yourself and um, like RuPaul, right, who have set a, a path of leadership in the gay community uh, because you understand a level of being on the outside that white gays don't, period. You just understand it better. 
but you have chosen to make a lot of your stake in the gay community, which is so judgy because it's so insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, it and, really and, is, yeah, but, I mean, you've, but you've, you've continued to build it. And I, that's what I'm saying, as you, you're reprogramming, we're kind of working against the fact that, you know, it wasn't very long ago, we just killed, period. Yeah. Right. We had a huge amount of change. But to your point, a lot of our programming has been totally biased in really unhealthy ways. And I just you just I was just mad respect that you have done this and on your own with your own monies, with your own creative control of what you're doing. You have an ability to steer the dialogue wherever you want. And I just I'm encouraging you to keep steering it and keep going the best fight. This this is an opportunity for people to that are haters to think and really think about who and what you represent, what you're trying to do. Because honestly, you getting those Grammys, Tonys, that all that is only good for all of us in the queer community. Yeah. And it's about time. It really is. Speaking and of. And that's why I said something to you just been like, why don't you take this energy and go uplift an LGBTQ plus artist that you like, but so many people will take their time to talk about somebody that they want to bring down. And I just love the fact that we were able to, as two gay men, without having somebody be a mediator, be like, we're adults, we can apologize, we know how to treat each other. This was a strange moment, but a learning lesson for both of us. And I just love that we were able to get to that place because so often, more times than not, like we, people aren't able to get to that place. Yeah. And it ends up cussing that person out, blocking them, reposting the conversation online to cloud chase. And I just, I love that we were able to come to this place and I can't wait to meet you. And hopefully- I, say, I mean, that speaks volumes about you. And I will also say, um, just just tagging off of what Helmut said, you know, you as a black a person of color, period. It doesn't have to be a black gay man, doesn't have to be uh, just a person of color you are going to have more criticism than than somebody that's not of color. And the fact that you have to go through that, I, I hate that for you because there is a lot when you start doing some homework and you do some digging, there is a lot that you're doing for the gay community and people will take that time all day long to bring you down. But once again, they're looking at the, the negative, not the positive. Yeah. I, I think it's a, that's, that's the beauty of, of his intersection, really. Um, and I think it makes him uniquely able to do it. And that's, I really do believe that we kind of live our unique journey that we're called to do with those, as you said, few 100 years. Um, you said something though, which is really, it's true observation. You two are able to work that through as adults. And I, I loathe, I loathe that we have allowed ourselves um, in queer culture and I know it's all culture, but particularly in gay men, there's this flippant dismissal of other humans. It really is, it's just no girl. And it's just, it is, mm-hmm. and, and you really look at it and you go, Isn't that really well, the no girl thing, I felt that. Good. You did. But, but people, you know, we say that we're focused on love and we need to focus that love on ourselves and not just on like what, it's kind of like once you learn to love yourself, how do you turn around and give that back to your other gay, faggot, queer brethren mm-hmm. and lesbians, right? Because I feel like that's something that we don't, we don't talk enough about. And if we don't do it, I mean, we've got enough enemies. We really, really do. And if you look on the international stage, we have a lot of things working against us still. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, I think that's, and that's the reason why I don't get offended when those things happen, because I realize that 
the black community, we we are our broken community. Like we we weren't set up, we weren't handed the same cards. We've never seen ourselves in some of these spaces. We've never been, you know, like people aren't going to black schools and giving these kids therapy or college. Like we mm-hmm. need therapy. We need, we need like, we need to be healed from all of this stuff so that we can catch up. And and I know that there are some systems in place, but it doesn't happen enough for us to not be tearing each other down. I was watching all these documentaries about Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson and Prince and even Beyonce and Nicki Minaj. Those are the first people that are coming to mind. There were more, but they all experienced this criticism once they reached a certain level of success from the black community. And almost in every one of those situations from Nicki Minaj, she was wearing this pink hair and stuff. And then she reverted back to having like jet black hair that was more like, Afrocentric and stuff, because I think deep down we all desire, I mean, that's one of the reasons why The Wizard of Oz is my favorite story. There is no place like home. And at the end of the day, the world can adore you, but you want your family, your friends, your community to accept you, love you, embrace you, and pat you on the back and say, we're proud of you representing us. And when that doesn't happen, you can be at the top of your game, number one on the charts, but you feel like this void is missing because you want your people to be like, I know how hard it is. Like. I know that for in a, in a race of dogs, like the dog that doesn't have the two hind legs that's on wheels, it's harder for them to reach the end goal. So you get up and you clap and you cheer for them, even if they didn't win the entire race, yeah. but they, they, they did the race with, with handicaps, with, with shackles on them, with, with hurdles that were t- taller and wider than the other dogs had to do i don't know why i'm making this analogy so like a true like a but, true underdog but, right but i think I yeah think- a true underdog in the truest sense of the word like literally and i just keep saying like i get in trouble for things sometimes that i'm you know i'm not a signed artist like most youtubers that i know it's just an unwritten rule that we like don't pay people to make youtube videos like we just go and collab and we TikTok and people come over and we do flash mobs my friend jenny just got asked to be in a video this week with 40 dancers for free working with some huge respectable choreographer and i think that without people knowing the inner workings they see me they see my house they see what's going on and they're like oh he should be able to afford this 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 and this he should be doing this and it just doesn't work like that. It's so much more complicated. To make a video is so incredibly costly and so hard to do as one person with no label that you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who is doing it, who is doing it and doing it at the level that we are going on tour in the same venues as these huge artists that have labels and bringing this many dancers and this many costumes, trying to be an artist that gives my community a production that is, you know, the closest I can get to a Lady Gaga or Ariana with the funds that I'm allotted. Um, But they're still holding me to these standards. And so now I'm like, okay, Jodrick, then, destiny is calling and the universe is saying you got to step it up you thought you were here now you got to be here so now you know i there's a huge controversy that i didn't pay my dancers for the nails or hips heels video which is true but they knew they weren't going to be paid when they did it you know i I sent out the email and said if there's men that want to come and dance we're thinking we're going to get like 15 guys we got 75 emails and we're like awesome we will costume you guys all. We'll figure out how to put 75 guys in hills, which is a hard enough task as it is. If you're going to find hills for 75 people, painted in the right colors, making sure they fit. These boys, they were, they've been 
They've been at the gym. They've been eating their muscle milk. They've been eating those egg whites. These bitches were breaking hills left and right. <laughs> bring in the next hill, bring in the next. Right. Um, but but we were willing to do that. But we told everybody, like, you're not going to get paid for this. He's an independent artist. We're going to do this. We're going to dance in this warehouse and we'll see what happens. We never thought that it was going to get almost 50 million views. Right. But there has been this long, you know, like dramatic thing for the past almost two years. Yeah, I'm tell us more about I that. Wish, I wish I could remove that for you, though, Todrick. I wish I could. I know I can't. But that pressure, you're brilliant. And you are, I don't, there aren't other gay artists doing that. There yeah, aren't. They're not doing it because it's, it is, you have to be willing to give up your humanity and not sleep and not have a social life and be willing to put your account in the red in a hope that people are going to like this mm-hmm, video. Right. Mm-hmm, That's right. just the reality, if I'm keeping it real, of what it is. I have been in, like a roller coaster in and out of the negative in my account for years and years and years to finally get to a point where I have some sense of financial stability. But yeah. it just doesn't, it's it's hard. It is so hard. And if it wasn't so hard, more people would be doing it. Like I wouldn't be one of the only ones that's yeah. doing it. But a lot of people aren't willing to take that risk. And um, yeah, it's something that I haven't really talked about very much because I realized that anybody who would believe that story wasn't buying tickets to my concert. They weren't, they weren't coming to, they weren't listening to my music. They were listening to a story from an unreliable narrator. And what is so bad about what that person did, because the, the person that started this story and started this controversy was somebody who was saved in my phone as like one of my favorite dancers. I mm-hmm. loved him. He was this beautiful, dark-skinned chocolate man that was standing right next to me. He started rumors that I was colored, so I didn't want like dark people next to me and stuff. And when you, if all it takes is a simple screenshot of the video and you're like, well, if that were true, you wouldn't be next to him. And you, right. he wouldn't be also surrounded by chocolate people. He started a rumor that, um, I, I think, I don't know what his purpose of doing this was. Like, I, I still to this day don't know what it was. He, out of all the people in that video, got the most out of it because I don't have auditions. So we hired him to do a Disney project after that, which he got paid for. We hired him to do RuPaul's Drag Race after that, which he got paid for. And then I also hired him to be in the video that I did for my song, Fag, which was just me and two chocolate men, which he he posted this story after that. And I'm like, and you just did another video with me, you, and another chocolate man. No one took the time to screenshot this and say like, this just doesn't make sense. He never asked me if he was getting paid when I called him and I was paying him. When this was, when the dust all settled, he sent in an invoice for $200 when he was getting paid $600 to do it. And I, even though I was so furious with him, I messaged him was like, you're actually getting paid $600 for this. Can you please send another invoice for the remaining $400? And um, it was just, to me, so sad to see him do that because he didn't just throw me under the bus. He threw all of the other artists and dancers who came and danced in that video under the bus. I'm some people would say a charming person, but not charming enough to convince 75 gay people to not get paid on the internet (laughs) if that were the case. They knew they weren't getting paid and everybody was okay with it. And at that time I was like, this is what I can afford to do. I'm in the middle of doing this. I'm about to pay for an entire tour, which it, it just is so expensive to pay for a tour, to pay for all the costumes, the venues, the custodians for the tours, the security to make sure your fans are safe, the sets, the sound, the lighting, the, the hotels, the travel, the flights. Um, it, it just, it's so expensive 
to do it. And so I did the best decision that I could at that time. And it, it frustrates me to no end when people say this because I that I don't pay my dancers because I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year paying dancers every right. Hey, Helmut, where do you get your prep? I'm my local pharmacist. Really? Have you heard of AHF Pharmacy? They are not for profit. Uh, those pharmacies exist? <laughs> I know more than you. 96% of all of their profits go to help those in need. Wow, 96%. Yep, and they deliver free to your home for all your drug needs. They even staff HIV specialists. It's a full-service pharmacy. Ooh, I like full-service. How do I learn more? <laughs> Look them up at ahfcheshirebridge.com. ahfcheshirebridge.com. I said what I said. <laughs> but every now and then there's a gig that I, we just did a Cinderella video this year with Brandy in it. And I was like, this is just a passion project. I'm, I don't, there's no budget. I'm not making money off of this. I just want to do it. So if you want to come dance with Brandy, you are a performer. There are way worse things you could be doing with your time than coming and dancing in this. And if you want to come, you're an adult. If you can afford to do it and be able to still pay your bills to come and dance with us for two days, then come do it, you know? And if not, no hard feelings. We'll catch you on the next gig where there's money. So yeah. I definitely did see that. Um, I did see that controversy and I, I read it. And then I even read, read your reply and you were like, girl, you're going to get paid. Like, don't worry. Like, I, I even think you said something like to the degree of like, you're my favorite dancer. Like, relax. It's and, a known yeah. thing in Hollywood that you have 30 days out for anything. Like, you wouldn't yeah. even send yeah. an email if you were 30 days out. This person wasn't signed to a, a, a dance agent or anything. Yeah. He was free freelance person and I think that he didn't know that two weeks is a little bit dramatic of a time for you to yeah. then go on and try to expose someone but it to me it showed all the things that he said about me being colors and this horrible person when he was continuously working with me and has like a long monologue that he says on the behind the scenes mm -hmm. of the back video about how great it was for him to be there lets me know that it wasn't about the money the $200 that he thought he was owed it was about he was upset about something bigger maybe he wanted to come on tour maybe he felt like we were moving forward and we didn't care about him because I talked to him on the phone afterwards and he was like y'all just look like y'all were having such a good time and everybody was ignoring me I was like we weren't ignoring you we were preparing for a world tour and we were unprepared we were flying to a foreign country in Spain to open our show we didn't see your text message it had only been two weeks it was a dramatic response to not getting two hundred dollars in two weeks, you should have waited the 30 days. It's standard, industry standard. No one would disagree with that right. who works in this business. But it was a learning lesson. I'm. You said, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm not sorry that it happened to me because it was a, a sign to me that, bitch, you're not the boy that's dancing in Target anymore. You're not yeah. or expecting greater things from you. And all you can yeah. do is step up to the plate. You're and definitely now, under that microphone now, or but, that, that microscope. And I, I even saw a tweet from you. Everybody's going freaking out about, um, because everybody is now just like putting you under this microscope because that's, I guess that's what comes with fame, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But I think, I think that what I really love about this is, so you have, you're coming up and you're talking to us about it. You're talking to other people about it and yeah. it makes you more authentic. Okay? Yeah. It really kind of gives you a little bit of insight into how you run your business. Um, and how you treat the people around you. And, and that is refreshing yeah. for me as a, a fan to hear that. And you kind of go, okay, maybe we need to check the receipts a little bit more um, because that's one of these damaging things about social media. People will say one thing and we run with it and we don't check the source. 
or when they do come out to tell you what really happened, we, we don't want to hear it because we would rather believe the juicy Regina George tea that was spilled. Like, right. <laughs> like, oh, this didn't actually happen. I gave Jake Yonce, who does all these reviews for RuPaul's Drag Race, the receipts about that. And like Manila Luzon came out and said something. And that really like broke my heart because I'm a big fan of Manila Luzon. And I've never hired Manila Luzon to do anything ever in my life. I've never spoken about this publicly, by the way. But I never hired her. I don't throw parties. I've never thrown parties. I never owed her any money. And I I sent Jake the receipts to say, like, I understand that she was owed money, but it wasn't my event. I was just the face of it. I performed there, um, but I didn't get paid either. And that person is now in jail. Like, he's in jail for, for fraud. Um, but the fact that she used her platform to come and take me down when she knew that I didn't owe her money was really cruel to me. I still, to this day, don't understand why she would do that. Um, that was absolutely not true at all. And I, I sent the receipts to him to show, and he did. Um, but it was just like, I could see that people were like, we don't really care what the real receipts are. These six people are saying this about him. We don't know these six people. We've never seen them. We don't We don't necessarily trust them. So we're just gonna go with this story that that's it, that, that it happened. And and the, the the part the only reason I'm defending myself is because I am human and one day I am gonna actually make a mistake and I don't want these things to be piled onto the actual sure, group yeah. I and, they, and people probably are also making this drama because they need attention themselves in a sense, right? I mean, because I think about it, if I really if I'm working for you and I respect and love you, I'm gonna go to you with the information, yeah. right? And close that door before I, I go on um online. I'm curious, um you have so much runway ahead still. You have so much and you have um, built this very particularly beautiful place at the intersection of gay and black and performer. What are some of your aspirations and goals for Todrick looking forward in your dream world? What, what do you want to do? I want to um, work really, really hard to create representation that's not just gay and not just black, but human. And I think I get a lot of flack from that, from the African-American community that were literally half the comments are, you make content for white audiences. And I've done a lot of self-reflecting and question that, but I know my heart's intent and I know that I make music that I like for anybody to consume it. I have so many fans from all over the world and, um, and from all different ethnicities. And I wanna keep creating content that brings the world together because that's my goal. If in, 20, 30 years from now, people are still huddled up in groups uh, with people that are just like them saying, we don't like the, the other side and we don't want to talk to them and don't say this in front of them. Then I don't think that we're getting back to being a human race. I will say that I feel like white people and straight people and men should be doing the work to, in, um, to should be doing more work to meet them us more than halfway. I don't think black people should be responsible for meeting white people halfway. I don't think that gay people should be responsible for meeting straight people halfway because we should have just been loved and treated as humans to begin with. But I do think that we just, this this hamster wheel and this rabbit hole are so deep and so difficult to get out of. And we are all just responding to trauma that we got. And I wanna create art and continue to create art that sheds light on that and that brings the world together. And sometimes it's difficult for me to see that that is actually happening because no matter how focused you are and how centered and how many times you remind yourself that a comment from somebody that's offensive will catch your attention more than the 
thousands or hundreds of thousands of great comments. And so I'm doing better about noticing that, but I want to change the world. I want to, I want to know that my existence and my voice and my art um, made some great impact on, on the world. And I know that that's a, such a cheesy thing to say, but if you look, if you really look, not just at my Nails or Hips Heels video, but at the, if you watch Straight Out of Oz and if you watch Forbidden, if you watch the, like the, the songs that mean a lot to me, not the songs that are popular because they play in the dance clubs and they have a form for, for a beat. But I just think that like music heightens every emotion. And if you can, I'm not concerned about these like people that are here right now making white noise. I'm concerned about the people on the other side of the fog, these young kids that are growing yeah. up who are like, who have the ability to change this so that the next generation isn't dealing with this same trauma that we're dealing with. So as funny as it is that I just came out with a video like Raining Fellows with us just like basically yes. the whole time. It's so I want to create art for kids. Like I love kids. My first content was all Disney Channel and whatever. And I want to make family movies eventually that are, you know, like all inclusive that with a strong LGBTQ plus represent representation and musicals on Broadway, you know, Broadway is the gayest <laughs> industry arguably that there is. And I've never seen a gay love story really. Right? Broadway smash hit where that was the main story and that needs to happen and even yeah. now I know even if it doesn't achieve Hamilton Book of Mormon Wicked Lion King success it's still a success yeah, if it, it is have a conversation it's interesting that you focus on I feel sometimes like the straight community freaks out when we gays talk about children um but I really do believe that because many of us experience so much psychological trauma as children we're that much more in tune to giving them positive, good messages, yeah. which I love that you're, you, that's a special place for you. And since this is your favorite podcast, I'm sure you heard on our first episode why we started the podcast, which was very similar to what you just said. It's being that guiding light in some way so that maybe some kid in rural Alabama or rural Wyoming might be listening to us and saying, hey, these are gay men that are thriving. These are gay men that enjoy their lives. These are gay men with happy relationships. These are gay men um, who aren't scary, aren't, you know, contrary to what my religion tells me or what my parents are telling me. These are people- Or the internet. Or the internet. These are people that are relatable and fun and kind and want the best for the world. And I, I see a lot of similarities with what your aspirations are and the whole reason why we started this podcast. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah, I love that. That makes me so happy. And listen, I think that, like I said, we're all on this planet doing the best we can. I think that this is such a beautiful thing. The reason it's my favorite podcast is because it took a lot of courage for you after the comment that you said to me to reach out and say, actually, will you be on my podcast? And like, <laughs> I feel like we're friends. I've seen you doing construction in your place. Now you're sending me pictures. And I just think at the end of the day, like if you look for at any human, there is like some good on the other side of them. And maybe next time you get ready to write something that you don't like about somebody, like because we had this conversation and not a fight, you're gonna think about it and you're gonna say, Maybe I won't write that. Maybe I'm gonna take the time before I pass judgment on this artist to like look at them and see who they really are and like not just see the one popular thing that they've done that people are talking about, but maybe they're smart and there are some songs in there that I do love that resonate with me. And maybe I'm gonna like uplift that person because they probably need it today, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause if they're popular, they're definitely getting a lot of hate. <laughs> like, and they, and you don't want to be a person adding to that yeah. hate. You want to be a person like, 
putting a cherry on top of the love cake. Last question. So we, we always end our podcast with this. If you were to change one thing about the LGBTQ community, your hope for the LGBTQ community in the future, what would it be? That's specifically queer. Yeah. I think that we touched on it today. I would hope that people would stop and take a moment and recognize where we are and where we need to be and try to retrain their brains to look at people. And I can't tell you how many gay men I've seen that are gorgeous and they spend their time in the gym to find their validation. And then they tell me all the time that like, and how, if I'm being real, how many of these men I've fallen in love with that I've been like, I would be such a good boyfriend or husband. I would treat you so great and stuff. But they're all chasing after this idea of someone because of how great they think it's going to look on social media or how great they think the sex is going to be. And maybe there's a small portion of people out there that the sex is so important to them that that is just like a deal breaker. But the reality is when you're in a relationship with someone after years and years, you, the sex becomes like a very secondary, like issue, maybe 10th dairy, like it's so far down the line and you need to be thinking of somebody who's going to challenge you to be the best version of yourself you can be somebody who you know is going to have your back every single step of the way somebody who is going to like you when you're not as cute and when the gym membership is not as important and when you're a little bit flabby and those pecs turn into like full-on titties like who's going to love you at that when point <laughs> when you're, when you're passing that. a bedpan between each other i love that yes. It's we got to get past this idea of whatever and start finding people who make us smile and who make us laugh. Like we have focused so much on the boy part that we haven't focused on the friend part. And I think that, that we should be like all looking for friend boys because um, I feel like every successful relationship I've been in, I fell in love with the person and then fell in love with the, the sexual, the, the physical part afterwards. I know that's a really hard thing to retrain our brains to do, but I think we have to do that work because otherwise it's gonna be unsuccessful relationship after unsuccessful relationship. And so many people ask this question and they look at you and they're genuinely confused, perplexed. So just like gobsmacked that their relationship didn't work out and I'm like, well, you started this looking for somebody that you can impress your friends with on Instagram because there's a reason why statistically gay men are successful. And it's not just because we're just a, this incredible specimen. We've all been treated so poorly that we all feel like we owe something, something to prove. Yeah, something to prove. We want our fam fr family and friends to see our successful businesses, to see how cute and tra well trained our dogs are, to see how hot our boyfriends are, to see our houses and how great they are, to see our clothes, our new cars, our our how that we got the newest phone when we got it, and that we got the VIP tickets to the new Kim Petras concert. Like, and all those things are like. I understand them because I participate in that mindset, but there's just things that are so much more important that I think that we have to like start thinking about and start normalizing having functional relationships, not just ones that look good on Instagram because yes. they, they're not working out for a reason. We don't have those blueprints, those storybooks, those pop-up books, those old school classics to teach us how to do this. So we need to be doing it 
and ourselves and uplifting our community, no matter if you like it, if you don't like it, if there's somebody in our community, before you post about them, just know that what they had to do to get to a level of relevancy that you even know their name and can find them and they have a verified check next to them, they have had to endure an insane battle. It's not a question, it's a fact. And you should just applaud that person for fighting because they're fighting for you. They are not against you, they are on your team. And we gotta start uplifting our team so that the world starts recognizing that gay people are here and we need to be seen. We need to be on the radio singing our pronouns about how we're in love with him and her, like in her, if we're a lesbian or whatever, we need to be able to like, to be represented in its truest form and not having to settle for breadcrumbs when we deserve the entire loaf of bread. Thank you. The whole so, buffet. Yes. Thank <laughs> the buffet, darling. The whole table. <laughs> Not I the whole loaf. I loved all of that. Thank this you so much for joining us today. We really a new friend and a new friend of the Gaily Dose. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll thank you, dolls, and we remind you: once you've learned to love yourself, we need you to learn to love everyone else. Take care. Bye. Girl, you know what I've just come to realize? What you come to realize? Honey, the dolls are where it's at. <laughs> I knew that. Child, well, you know, I want to learn more. So if you have thoughts and opinions and maybe you want to do a one-on-one -on -one session with us, you can reach out to us at feedback at thegailydose.com. That's feedback at thegailydose.com. And honey, I'm not scared to know what you think, so don't be scared to spill the tea. I'm kind of concerned, but... Ooh, well, it's time for us to learn. Bye.